You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are back, folks. Another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Man, whenever we don't do it for, uh, you know, a little extended period of time, I feel like I'm missing it. You know, I start saying we start itching to get back in the lab with my guy, Tim McCormick, who uh, I got to commend you to start the former NBA standout, former Michigan standout, and continues to be an outstanding camp runner. The NBA (laughs) Players Association Top 100 camp that I've been going to for years, I think, I think it's the best camp around when you consider the number of players you guys bring in, Tim, the kind of coaching they get. Uh, the holistic approach, and the way you get us in and out of the gym. We aren't there all hours of the night. I just think you guys hit all the boxes. How you doing this this uh, this week? I'm good, Sam. And it's been it's been a really kind of interesting last month. Um, obviously, with the Top 100 camp, there's so much preparation that goes into it. Um, you know, we have to recruit the players and um, get the the NBA guys in our coaching program, and there's so many moving parts. And it's all, all, um, it, it, it's all encompassing for about a month before camp. And then you go to camp for eight days um, before and after. You've got to make sure everything is ready for the players to arrive and make sure they get out okay. And I came home for two days, 4th of July, saw my wife, gave her a hug, talked to my kids, um, and then went to summer league for eight days. So it's been really a whirlwind. And, and it was, it was really a lot of fun to, to watch basketball in the summer league though. It, it's evolved and grown so much. I can remember, you know, 10 years ago, it was just, it was, it was quiet. It was dead. There was no buzz. Now you've got two arenas, um, 80 games over two weeks. Everybody's watching. There's so many incredible stories. You know, you just walk around. Oh, there's Jerry West. Hey, Pat Riley. Uh, Carmelo Anthony's there. There's Dame Lillard. It's just, I mean, everybody is there that loves basketball. The, the arena is full and man, the guys play so hard. There's a lot at stake for them. So basketball is slowly becoming a year round sport. It is. And I admit, I admit, Tim, I watched more summer league this year because the Pistons drafted Jay Nivey and I was just, and, and Jalen Duran, of course, and I was super excited about the direction where what Troy Weaver has done with this team. I think they're on the verge. I think I love their core that that they have. And this was the fit. This was the piece. We talked about it on, on this podcast. Like, of all the guys that you look at in this draft, I felt like Jaden Ivey was the best fit. Even if you didn't think he was the best player or the best prospect, I think the combination of his prospect level and his fit with Michigan or with the, the Pistons made him the guy I would have picked, even if they, they had a pick in the top three. He was the guy I'm just super excited about him being with the Pistons and what we saw in limited action in summer league. Yeah, he's going to be great. And the the um, the other real positive thing is that that with rookie transition program, which is it's it's probably the 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 biggest thing that I'm responsible for, even more so than the top 100 camp, um, the rookie transition program 
is is really uh, just a, a wonderful opportunity to to work with the guys, but also to teach them. Um, you know, th this is our 36th year of having rookie transition, and we take the the top 60 players plus you know another 20 guys for teams that had loaded drafts, and we spend four days with them, about eight hours of programming, and we we talk to them about so many important resources that are available um you know you you learn about finance and career development and substance abuse and relationship management um social justice and you, you've got nba players that come in and talk to them and share their wisdom um you know we had jalen brown and pat Connaughton and wendell um, Carter, we, we, Chris Weber, um, was there and I got a chance to interview him in front of the rookies. That was kind of cool. Um, Steven wow. Cyrus is the coach of the Rockets. That was great. And, and so the, you know, the closing message that I gave those guys is that you should feel like you're in good company because, you know, over the years that, that I've been involved, which is approaching 30, Kevin Garnett, and Kobe Bryant and Shaq and KG and I guess I already said Kevin Garnett, but Kyrie and Harden and LeBron, Mello, everybody has sat in those exact same chairs and complained about the, these days are too long. Um, but they learned and they became a professional. It jumpstarted their career. So it's um, it's good that the guys like Jade Nivey and, and Jalen Duran to get a chance to know them and spend time with them are valuable because you can see the growth just like you did last year with Kay Cunningham. Mm -hmm. hey, you know, rookie transition program wasn't around when you entered to entered the league, right? So these guys, I mean, I have someone that's, that's been through it, made it through an NBA career and can tell them about all the pitfalls, I think is very, very valuable. Just, just in passing, I'm curious, what's the single best piece of advice you think you could have used? Let's say young Tim McCormick, first round draft pick coming out. You're you're sitting down and going through the career that you went through in the NBA. What's the best piece of advice you think you could have gotten if you had it to do all over again? Well, good question, Sam. I, I would say take ownership of your finances. You don't need to be, uh, you know, a CFO, but 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 really start to to learn about what a mutual fund is and you know what's an annuity and um really take take charge of your spending um i was really lucky because i didn't have a lot of people that i was paying for um but i do remember at the end of my career i had a financial advisor hand me a box and say you know your your career's done the, the money's not coming in anymore here's all of your investments and, and all of a sudden I was trying to play catch up, trying to learn what everything was. And it would have been wise to do that from day one and, and, and become a little bit more sophisticated. I eventually had a ch chance to learn a lot, but those are the habits. Um, write all of your own checks. Don't, don't rely on somebody else. Um, have checks and balances with, with your investments. And, and so I share that with the rookies as well. You don't have to you don't have to know everything about it, but you, you should learn enough that, that that you're just not handing them a check and saying, gosh, and when I retire, I hope that I have some money left over. That's it's not fiscally responsible. Right. Great advice. Great advice. So what about the the Michigan players in Vegas? And I just want to start 
start first with the 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 Michigan player in Vegas that plays for the Pistons because I just feel like Zay, I feel like Isaiah Livers factors. I don't know this, Tim, but I feel like he factors into some of the moves they did or didn't make right here in the offseason. I mean, the Pistons could have made a play uh, to, to bolster their front court even more in free agency. And I just believe that Zay's development sort of factors into the thinking there. I'm curious what you think. I agree. I, I've been a big fan of, of Zay since he was in high school. He came to um, my Michigan League 25 program, and I fell in love with, with his professionalism. I, I think that's the word, no matter what anybody says. If they ask me, what do I think? I think professional. And he's always been that way. He takes care of his business. He, his rehab, he did a great job. He was patient, but he worked really hard. He sculpted his body this summer. He looks great. And, and I think he learned a lot last year. One of the purest shooters. He's disciplined on defense. He, 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 he follows the scouting report so well. And you can just see him executing what his coaches want. I think he only played two games, but he had 14 and four, which is exactly what you're looking for. Made over 40% of his threes. And, and I, this would not shock me if someday he's playing power forward for the Pistons. I, I know it's a small ball lineup, but but he's tough and he's strong and he shoots the ball so darn well. Yeah, I mean, hey, he went up and – not to say that it's the be-all end-all, but that block he got on Luka guy, he goes up and blocks Luka. I was like, man, Zay is showing that <laughs> does, the, the height thing, the concerns you might have, you know, that's one of those plays that makes you – I think if you're an observer and you're sort of projecting the, the Pistons, makes you stand up and say, all right, you know, I know that's not an example of the guy that he's going to guard all the time in an NBA game, but that's guarding size. And that was just one of the plays that stuck out to me even more than the, than the threes that he hit. But what about speaking of threes being hit? We talked a lot about Caleb Houston, right? And Tim, young fella, change of scenery. I mean, he goes out and he, he acquits himself really, really well in, in summer league down there with the Magic. He did. And I tell you what, one game made him a lot of money because right after that game, he signed a four-year deal. And I think two of it is guaranteed, so that gives him plenty of time to work on his craft. Um, before I get into his game, I, I want to say that I, I was so thoroughly impressed with with spending time with him. He was very engaging. He, he talked about loving Michigan. And I asked him, I said, you know, Sam and I, we, we do the podcast and we've never had you on. We'd like to. And he said, no, I, I definitely want to do that very, very soon. And I said, one of the questions that Sam and I talked about is should Caleb come back? And so I said, why did you decide to leave ultimately? And he said, you know what? I just I, I'm a competitor, and I just really want to test myself against the best. I've always dreamed about the NBA, and I feel like I'm ready to take my shot. And I said, I have no, I have no complaints with that. Like that totally makes sense. This is your shot, and and you know we're all rooting for you as Michigan fans. So he had 20 in that first game, and he looked great. Um, he did fade after that and shot what I would say was was a poor percentage. Uh, you know, I, I think he ended up shooting like 25% from, from the field. So some of our same questions 
that we had about his shooting accuracy and his consistency and his reliability, it showed again. But but I'm I'm happy that he he signed that contract, and I'm going to become a huge Orlando Magic fan. You know, watching he and Mo and Franz, and um, it it's it was pretty cool. You know who I really was impressed with? Maybe Michigan's best player, Shondi Brown. So what did you so tell me about Shondi? when when Shondi was picked up by the Lakers last year? I said, you know what? I think that's a really good fit for him. Like, you know, especially with what they lack on that squad. Now, it never really materialized that he became a, a real factor for them. But I, I think Shondi is the quintessential, uh, potentially anyway, three and D guy. So so if you look at at what he brings, um he was extremely impressive. You know, he's, he's mature and he's smart um, about 14 points a game and limited action. He's with the Hawks. Now um, he can really defend and he shot the ball. Well, Atlanta seemed like a good fit for him. And, and I, I also think that Shawnee Brown is an NBA caliber athlete. Now, can he learn to create a little bit at the shooting guard? I don't know. I didn't see a lot of that from him in the ACC at Wake Forest. I didn't see hardly any at Michigan, but, but sometimes, you know, there, there, there can be a lot more space, you know, when you play with Trey young and, you know, you've got the big fall rolling to the rim, like he's surrounded with guys that can shoot. Maybe he can add that part of his game, but I liked, I liked him. And he was part because last year he didn't get invited to rookie transition program. He was there all week and he's a leader and he's smart. And so, yeah, I, I like him. Yeah, and so you mentioned fit there with the Hawks. Real quick with, with Caleb, you mentioned he has some things to work on. I wonder if you think he will get an extended look with the Magic themselves as opposed to their – and here's here's why I ask. Bear, bear with me with this question for a second. It's not that I think that he would get there and shoot the lights out, but I wonder if they would if they would let him shoot to get hot. Like, he won't, he's clearly not hot. Would they give him the opportunity to shoot the get hot because of the needs of that team? They picked Paulo Banquero number one. And Tim, I was really like, you know, with what they have on that team, you got Markel Fultz, you got Jalen Suggs, you got Franz, who's a guy who can, who is a lengthy guy who can put it on a deck and put it on the I felt like that was a squad that needed shooting. And here you draft Paulo Banquero, who's a guy who is like a point forward, so to speak. You need some guys that are just going to park outside and shoot the basketball. Now, is Caleb ready to be that guy right now? Probably no. not. Could they park him over no. there and say, hey, you see? No. no, no, no. And I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you two names and you'll know why. Paulo Bancaro and Franz Wagner. They play the same position. And who do you think they're going to try to get off? They're not worried about you know saying oh we got a steal in the second round with Caleb Houston Caleb's going to spend a ton a ton of time in the G League and they're the, the Hawk I'm sorry the uh, Magic are going to get as much run for for their their last two first round draft picks that no I I do not Who's see spot, Who's going to, where are they going to get shooting from is my question they're okay they're, you know what they don't even really care about winning right now they want to they want to keep letting their young players get reps and those two players are are tons way ahead. And I I would guess that Franz, who do you think's a better shooter right now between he and Caleb? You know, that's it. Right now, I would probably pick Franz. I don't have the numbers in front of me to to bear it out, but I would pick Franz right now. 
I, would. I think he's more reliable. He's got a more of a repeatable stroke. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna get Caleb on, and and we'll find out. All right. So Musa, what about Musa? Um. So so Musa did what Musa does. You know, he he's all about energy and athleticism. Uh, his skill set needs work. He ran the court well. He scored around the bucket. LA likes him a lot. They don't need him yet, but I think they'll spend a lot of time with him in the G League. And and so he kind of did what I, I thought he would do. And there, there's there's a lot of upside. He's an energy guy. And can he become more of a skilled guy? All right. And then, of course, we, we go down the, down the uh, line. What about the professor? What did you see for the professor in in uh, in action out there? Um, limited run, not 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 a lot of of opportunity. But um, I I did hang out with his parents at the Las Vegas airport, and that was very cool. They were so proud of him. And there are varying levels of success. Like like some guys are upset because they weren't a first round draft pick. Some some guys didn't go high enough. They didn't go to the team that that would feature them. Eli Brooks was thrilled to put on an NBA uniform and have a chance to play in the summer league. I, I don't think at any point did he say, "If I if I do this or do that, maybe maybe I'll get an NBA contract." Like he's going to be a G League guy and a chance to to to, to make money playing basketball. Um, I, I I I'm I'm very proud of him, and I I would love. Love to have them on the podcast too, Sam. I'm going to start concentrating on some of these guys because they, they have wonderful stories, and I I don't know what it's like to play in summer league. I didn't, so I, I think it'd be it'd be a great story. Okay, I'll I'll rapid fire with with the uh, with the rest. DJ Wilson, there was a DJ Wilson sighting. You know, obviously a first round pick a couple of years ago with the uh, with the Bucks, but has uh, bounced around a bit since. And now with with Toronto, what do you think the uh, the fit is, and what did you see for him? Well, he um. He got himself a contract out of the deal, and I, I think he he shot well. He needed to um, just to get more of an opportunity because you know he hasn't done a lot. And I when I say that he's he's made five million dollars in the NBA, so he has not been a failure. His his goal was to play, and it, it was unfortunate he went to Milwaukee because he was behind Giannis and never got a chance. Um, you know that that was that was a good thing for him to get that contract because he's super athletic and he's long and he's got a lot of things that NBA players want and have and need. So, so it extends his career. All right. And then the two point guards are what's left. The most recent of which is uh, Devonte Jones. What did you see from, from DJ in the games he played? So he played for, for Denver, I believe. And I, I, for whatever reason, I never watched Denver. I mean, I may have been in, the Thomas and Max center and he was in the other building. But even if you watch Denver, you didn't see him play very much at all. I think Xavier Simpson played sparingly too, like, you know, 10 minutes a game. So more than anything, they're, they're trying to earn a spot in the G league and, and they, I think they accomplish what they want. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, it should be interesting to see. And I just want your JJ Reddick was on. This is the last question as we transition over into Michigan, but JJ Reddick said something recently on his podcast he said i look at the job detroit weaver has done putting together this squad obviously Kay cunningham last year was sadiq bay the year before right who looks like a real piece you add uh jay and ivy and and, and jalen duran you like he likes beef stew 
who doesn't like beef stew, right? What he brings to the table. You still have Killian Hayes, who this is a big year for him. They're looking for him to improve his jumper this year. But you got a lot of pieces to the puzzle there. What do you think is the outlook for the Pistons this year? Do you think that they're a team that's going to challenge for a playoff spot? I don't. I, I don't. And I um, I think that this team is making massive leaps forward, especially when you look back to the Blake Griffin era. Uh, they're light years ahead of wh where they were at that point. Their roster is loaded from top to bottom with promising young players that you think in three or four years could just be really outstanding players. The problem and the, the key term there is three or four years because who are they going to jump this year? They're, they're going to be playing first and second year players, guys that are 19 and 20 and 21 against veterans that have been through the ropes for a long time. Uh, this is the right path. And I, and I do think that every year they're going to get better but if you if you really want me to to dive deep and and look at the roster, you know you're you're playing um, guards that just don't have a lot of experience, and you're playing big guys that are are not as physically mature as they will be down the road. Um, I think that if you ask me this question one year from now, I'll have a much better read because with all the cap money that they've leveraged. They can look at their roster and they can say, okay, you know what? Cade and Jaden, they're on course to being superstars. Um, you know, we we like we 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 like so and so, we don't like so, but then they can they can say, we need a small forward that can shoot, as an example. We want Sadiq Bay as our power forward that can shoot. We need a small forward and we've got 50 million dollars. That's when you go out and you get that piece that can help take you to playoff status. So I think that this year's a learning year. Again, you add another piece in the draft next year, you add your, your, your key free agent piece. And then all of a sudden you start looking ahead at the playoffs, but it's still a little bit early, Sam. Yeah. I like this path to Tim super, super excited. Uh, Jalen Duran, he, he caught Michigan fans attention because Michigan recruited him for a time. That's number one. And then number two, there were some, some Chris Weber, comparisons in terms of freakish athleticism at that size, which I kind of see. I still think C-Webb had a better second jump, but in terms of overall explosiveness, I get it. I mean, Pistons execs, they were, you were, you will appreciate this name. And I wonder if you said it too. The Rain Man, Sean Kemp. You played against Sean Kemp. How freaky was Sean Kemp? Yeah, he was. You know, funny story. I remember, um, it was right during the the time when people were throwing the throat wearing the throwback jerseys, and so my son Cal must have been eight or nine years old, and and we were um, we were out for dinner and somebody walked in with a Seattle SuperSonics number forty jersey, and he went crazy because he said, "Dad, that guy loves you. He's wearing your throwback. Look at that. Oh my gosh, you should go sign his autograph." And I said, "No, Cal, you got to got to remain humble. You don't want to, you know." <laughs> and so. Yeah, so two of the greatest number 40s in Sonic's history. One was a dunker, one not so much, but yeah. That's a great story. And see, here's the thing. You got to go back and watch Sean, the, the early Sean Kemp, not the Sean Kemp that played in Cleveland and Orlando. You got to watch the Sonic Sean Kemp, which was a different Sean Kemp altogether. The best, yeah. yeah, the amazing thing about him is he made an all- Didn't he make an all-star team with either the Cavs or the Magic when he was like, 
40 or 50 pounds. <laughs> he was already done and he still was an all-star. He still was an all-star. All right. So, Tim, let's bring it back to talking about Michigan here and the, the Michigan interests at the top 100 camp. So, uh, as you go back and uh, certainly want maybe your overall assessment from the top 100 camp, you know, some guys maybe sit up for you or to you. And then specifically as it relates to Michigan, guys that Michigan is on, who sort of uh, caught your attention in that regard? Yeah, it's it's um, it's an interesting process going through the top 100 camp because all of a sudden, you know, you're sitting in the gym and it's completely quiet. And then the very next day, there's a hundred of the best looking prospects you've ever seen. And I, I spent two days just, you know, constantly looking, okay, who's that guy? Oh, that's, that's, that's Robert Dillingham. He's going to Kentucky. I remember reading about him. I, I love the way he plays. He's got a great feel for the game. And, and by the end of the week, um, you're, you're starting to form opinions on them. Um, I was very excited to see Bronny James. That's LeBron's son. And, and just um, not surprised by this, but this is a kid that has been mentored and tutored and groomed in a big time way. Like, like he meditates between games. He stays hydrated. Um, he, he thinks the game, he knows how to run the fundamental pick and roll. He, he gets the hot score of the ball. Um, you know, I, I think he's a really going to be a really good college player. I, I don't know if I see him as an NBA player yet. Just he's only six, two. He didn't get his dad's his dad's hype, but there's a lot of stories like that. And there's a lot of guys that, that I saw that, that I thought would be good fits for Michigan um, in the camp. It's a great environment. There's a hundred players that are from all over the country um, out of 141 of them were six foot eight and above. Uh, so it was long. It was athletic. Uh, Juwan was there. Saudi Washington was there. Howard Isley was there. And so what I did, Sam, I'm very astute. I just kind of stayed in the background and watched where they headed, who they watched. Um, you know, if you've got a guy you love, you, you follow him around. And so it was, it was fun trying to figure out, you know, who they actually wanted. Yeah. So a couple of guys uh, that I know they followed uh, really, really stridently. And one of them, Zayden High, another, uh, another guy who you could call Zay who, you know, 6'9", 225 pounds, uh, that can that can shoot it. I've heard some scouts sort of liken him to a longer Isaiah Livers. Could you see that comparison? What did you think of Zayden High? So I, I never really got the sense that he's an Isaiah Livers type of shooter. I, I, um, I, I spent time with him, and I thought he was very smart and – very good conversationalist and you might say look i just want a guy that can put his elbow in the rim okay I, I, but i i think different i i believe that kids that can talk come from good families they're they're you know they're they're less likely to bolt as soon as they don't get playing time and i think michigan's been really good at that um so i i liked him uh 610 does that sound right 610 or so 69 610 uh skilled big guy He's from Texas, and there's going to be a lot of competition. I, I don't know how NIL plays it out. You know, some of those schools have unlimited budgets, and it might be really hard to get him to leave home. Um, I talked to his mom for a while. She seemed like a really nice lady. And so, you know, sometimes, sometimes 
parents that are really good parents will say, hey, we want you to go far away and grow as a person. And other times the parents are so nice, the kids say, I don't want to leave too far from home. I want my parents to see me. So it's hard to read. Um, but there were so many good players that were long and athletic. Um, I, I didn't necessarily think he stood out as one of the great players in the camp, but I could see where his development is from. And Juwan has really developed a great feel. You know, sometimes he doesn't really care what the rankings say, not, not really caring exactly what his other staff members say. Like this is, this is his program. And sometimes he just makes the call. So I, I think that that's what it will come down to is Aiden High. Yeah, there were two players who earned Michigan scholarships during their time at the camp. One of them uh, has a strong connection to Michigan. Kid named Marco Jackson, a combo guard from New Jersey, but playing his ball uh, at South Kent in Connecticut now. And I was just his, the maturity of his game, his ability to play as well off the ball as he did on it. I think that really impressed him a, a ton. I know Phil Martelli had been following him, but the other coaches led by Juwan saw him during the top 100 camp, camp Tim. Uh, he had a Michigan offer before the end of that camp, as well as many others. I mean, Texas came through. He started really, really racking them up uh, after the top 100 camp. Yeah, fu funny story. I, I remember watching him, and I thought, who's 82? And so I grabbed my roster and I started looking it up and I was unimpressed because it, it said he was six foot 10 power four. And I thought, okay, this guy, if this guy is six ten power forward, he's going to be in the league next year. Um, it was clearly a misprint, but El Marco Jackson will remind you a little bit of Jaden Ivey. I mean, do, do you see that Sam? Yeah, I, I can see with his ability to get downhill. I mean, I, yeah. I get the comparison. I think Jaden is, is more explosive. But, yeah, in terms of a guy who could just get downhill seemingly at will, uh, we saw that a lot during his time at the Top 100 camp. And and he uh, he has an arrogance about his driving ability. Like, you can't stop me. I'm not sure if I'm going left and I'm going to pull up for a mid-range. If I go right, I'm going all the way. Um, his mid-range shot was impressive. And he he made a lot of those wow plays where, you know, everybody in the, the gym can sense this energy that, that something big's going to happen. Um, by, by the end of the week, he he was one of the most explosive guards that I saw. And, and you know what else I saw? I saw a lot of Juwan Howard at his games. Yeah, I did too. I, I thought that, uh, you know, for them, it was a measure of could he be a guy that could play? This is my opinion. I'm not to say they're going to get Isaiah Collier, but I, I think that was the measure. You know, if you offer him uh, and you get down to the finish line with clearly a guy that's at the top of several schools board, including I think Michigan's and Isaiah Collier, could El Marco be a guy that plays with him? And I think they came away from this weekend saying that those two guys could really thrive together. Uh, a guy who the wild play for me, I got into it thinking, man, this guy is really mature. If, if he runs into a guy that has the quickness to stay in front of him, look at this mid range. I mean, he, he had a turnaround uh, in the mid range. I saw him with a step back in the mid range. I saw him, uh, I saw him with a spin move in the mid range. It's like, man, that's pretty impressive. And he took a few threes and shot a good clip. And just when I thought that his game was below the rim, Tim, he came and 
banged on some guys. It's like, man, yeah. okay. Yeah, this this dude brings he brings a lot to the table, and he's Marlon Jackson's nephew. And so I when I when I was watching him, I had Marlon in mind. Like, yeah, I can see that football edge in this dude on the on the court that gets to your your downhill or or attacking arrogance that we saw from him. The other guy that got offered, Tim, uh, is a guy that I hadn't seen before, but you could really, really tell. And he was he was on El Marco's team, a dude named San, Samto Cyril. And I'm curious what you thought what you thought of Samto at the camp because Mitch, he's a, he's a five-star guy who I think the, the way the, the um, you know, Michigan's ability with international players here recently and how well they've, they've done. I think that's something that's probably going to resonate with him as they get deeper into his recruitment. I, I'm impressed with the pronunciation and I feel like there's a lot of missing letters in his name. I, I was joking. I just called him 94. <laughs> he, he seemed to like that. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I don't have a, a lot of excitement about a center in this class. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason I say that is from what, what I can tell, like, do you think Hunter Dickinson is going to leave? I, I don't. I see him coming back for his senior year. Right? I do too. And, I do too. And I think he's going to become the all-time leader maybe in nil money um you know if, if he sticks around when he when he does leave when his eligibility is over i think he i mean is he going to be a million dollar guy i i think he, he he really could so i don't i don't see hunter dickinson leaving and so i'm not really excited about any of the centers um unless you told me gg jackson who decommitted from north carolina is on the market then i might and, and he's not even a true center, but yeah, he's um, on the market, just not for a college team. Yeah. Okay. That's he, Yeah. He's, he's going to get paid, huh? Right. Right. So, so, yeah. So I, I, um, 94 was really good though, but I, I, I wasn't that excited about that position. Yeah. So they're, they're going to be chasing him. We'll see if something comes of that, Tim. Hey, Sam, what did you think of Devin Royal? So I felt like to start the camp, I don't want to say going through the – he was feeling his way through. I just didn't see a whole lot of aggression uh, initially when when we watched him. Uh, but a guy who seems like he's a capable shooter, you know, if you want to if you want to try to come up with the, the closest size-wise and maybe game-wise comparison to a, a Livers, I think he would probably put you more in the mind of that than a, than a Zayden High. What but about Chris Levert? Ah, see, I, I just think that Karis was more, you know, Karis was more of a guy who I think was, was I think Karis is better off the bounce. I uh-huh. think Karis, Karis was a guy who, who could shake you with the dribble. And I just didn't get that feel off of Devin Royal. Um, you know, may, maybe that's an element of his game that he has that I just didn't see. But uh, I did feel like he's a guy from a, from a uh, you know a small forward, sort of six seven, two hundred ten, two hundred fifteen pound uh, guy who could who could shoot it probably better than he showed at the camp, and that's why I I came up with the uh, with with sort of a a closer to a Zay 
uh, livers than, than Zayden Hyde was from a, what his skill set kind of projects to if he were to come to Michigan. Yeah, interesting. I, I, um, I thought he really excelled in transition. And the other thing is that I, I'd really try to give a lot of the guys uh, a benefit of the doubt because this is the first opportunity for them to really play in front of NBA scouts and executives. Yeah. And That's coaches. why I said feeling. I didn't want to make it sound like he was being yeah. – you know, that he was loafing. He wasn't loafing. I just kind of felt like he was kind of feeling his way through. Right. I think that's accurate. And, and so, um, I, I, when I saw his body type, he's, he's going, he's going to be, um, getting bigger. And I think he could be a small ball for someday. And, and I did see a little bit like a less skilled Karis Levert, but you know, I, I liked him. Yeah. I think he'll be 225 before all is said and done six, 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 seven, 225 pounds. And, We'll see how it goes. But, Tim, let's let's sort of wrap up with a teaser for the next podcast, talking a little bit about the the newcomers, the, you know, not Joey Baker is officially uh, in the mix. Yusef Kayat is, is officially uh, going to be a Wolverine. How do you see those pieces fitting to fitting into Michigan's puzzle as you sort of put them together for next season? Yeah, so uh, sort of a, a midsummer version of thoughts. I, I think that as Michigan gets ready for their trip to France, they'll get three practices and it'll be very valuable with the new chemistry that they need. Um, when you look at their roster, there's only two players that I think are coming back into the exact same role. Um, that's Hunter as the leader, the All-American, the All-Big Ten player, and Terrence Williams. Um, other than that, Great opportunity for guys to kind of figure out who they are and how they can help. And the key guy is going to be Jalen Llewellyn, um, 6'3", great size at the point. You know, he reminds me a little bit of his Tyson Walker when he came into Michigan State. I, I think that, you know, similar size, similar skill set. And for whatever reason, Tyson Walker never really found that consistent groove. I, um, I, I, I look at. I look at Michigan's last point guards and you're talking about um, Xavier and Mike Smith and Frankie Collins and, and Devonte Jones. Um, the, the one thing that they could do that I think that Jalen will do better is the ability to, to make a shot in the pick and roll, the high, the high middle screen game with, with the previous players I mentioned, everybody would just go underneath and say, go ahead and shoot. I think that if Jalen Llewellyn can can pop down some threes in that pick and roll, I I don't really know you know how you cover that pick and roll if you've got Hunter Dickinson setting and rolling to the rim. Um, so so that that's an exciting guy for me. I think Jalen Llewellyn's my my number one guy to watch in France. Yeah. So we are gonna get into full scale breakdowns like we do every summer. Sort of project the Big Ten. Not at all the rosters are settled and everything. That's coming on upcoming editions of the Michigan Basketball Insider. One of the things we'll be talking about next is you got a reunion coming up with your with your Michigan basketball family, right, Tim? Yeah, yeah, Sam. I'm I'm so excited about it. And I I um I jotted down a couple names. Um Wayman Britt, Lavelle Blanchard, Steve Fisher, Gary Grant, Mark Hughes, Jimmy King, Terry Mills, Rich Relford, Nick Stoskis. Mo Taylor, Rudy T, Butch Wade. Did I mention the judge will be there? My my guy Antoine Joe Bear. So I I can't wait to see them. 
Yeah, it's going to be a blast. And certainly we'll be giving you guys a recap of that and much more. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. Be sure to, if you watch us, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's something that you want us to talk about. Drop it in the comments. We'll make sure we try to squeeze that in as well. Until the next time, thanks for listening to the Michigan Basketball Insider.